Welcome back to What Would Arwen Do on Tuesday afternoons, 4 to 5 p.m. I'm Tani Genuvio, and um, we are continuing our celebration of the works of J.R.R. Tolkien, and upcoming March 25th will be Tolkien Reading Day, so perhaps you will be finding some time to celebrate the worlds of Middle-earth, even just maybe a little reading on your own, or... Wouldn't it be lovely to get together with friends and share reading some of your favorite passages? I'm still holding hope that uh, Gwen Alf might be calling in and sharing one of her favorite passages. I know Vanna would in a minute if she wasn't a a little under the weather, but um, happy birthday to her. And welcome to everyone who is tuning in. This is KUCI in Irvine. I'm Tani Genuviel, the resident KUCI Middle Earth Elf. If you'd like to hear the full regular introduction, you can listen to our podcasts of our show on our website, KUCI.org. Just go to Archives, down to Podcasts, look for What Would Arwen Do, and you can hear um, any of the past shows. We've got some great interviews, like an interview with Doug Adams, the author of the music of the Lord of the Rings movies, and André Vien, who, um, with the Theatre Theatre Saint-Fil, the um, producer of the Hobbit play that's been touring around. Lots of wonderful things going on there. So we're going to get right back to hearing from the professor himself reading some excerpts from parts of it and his son reading some parts from the works of J.R.R. Tolkien. And this is the 75th anniversary of the anniversary of the 75th year since the publication of The Hobbit. And if you'd like to visit the website for the Tolkien Society, there are all kinds of wonderful little things there for introducing children to the worlds of Middle-earth and The Hobbit. There are games and little quizzes and things like that that you can do uh, perhaps this coming Sunday. And of course... If you are a fan of the movies, and I am a fan of the movies and of the books, you know that the Hobbit movies, the first Hobbit movie, will be coming out December of 2012, with the second one following the year after. And I understand that Peter Jackson, on Peter Jackson's blog, I believe it's called the Hobbit blog, if my... um, a charming Hobbit co-host was here today. He has all of the particulars about where to find these things. But uh, I'm sure if you Google and look for um, the Hobbit blog, you will, it will take, bring you to Peter Jackson's blog. And there is a new production video. So while the Hobbit co-host was with me, because he's such a an expert in movies and, you know, was a traveling movie critic and such an expert in matters, I was willing to um, have some spoilers about the movies. But now I'm not sure. I may go back to my um, previous uh, um, position of really liking to just see everything fresh. It's okay that I know I've seen the trailer. I don't think the trailer really spoiled too much. But uh, I turned on the production video this morning, and it, you know, it gives you... Peter Jackson actually says that he can't show you certain sets because they don't show up until the second movie. But um, he was giving an update on the production of what's going on now, and I was seeing little hobbits scurrying around, and I just thought, you know, I'm just not sure. I'm happy that I've seen the, um, the dwarves, and Thorn Oakenshield is amazing, and, but I don't know that I want to 
see too much more and just wait and see the movies. So you may want to, though, and uh, there's a new production video out uh, that's current and got wonderful scenes and things going on over in New Zealand with the production of The Hobbit movies. So um, I wanted to read something for you, and then we'll get into a little bit more of Hobbit things. The other thing that today is, in addition to being March 20th, 2012, the first day of spring and the Persian New Year. So happy birthday to, I mean, happy birthday, um, happy New Year to all of our uh, friends that celebrate the Persian New Year. Um, It is also, it's the first day of spring and it's the first day of the Elven New Year. So one of the things that I wanted to read from, and if you are not familiar with all of these wonderful books of the history of Middle-earth that were brought to us uh, through the work and dedication of J.R.R. Tolkien's son, Christopher. I'm going to be reading a little bit from one of my favorite volumes, Volume 10, Morgoth's Ring, The Later Silmarillion, Part 1. And you might be wondering, because, you know, we hear about the elves being so old in all of these many years, It really was. (laughs) They really were around for a very long time. But we're going to give you a little, I'm going to read just a little bit here from the second section of the Annals of Amman, where it says, Here begins a new reckoning in the light of the trees. So this will give you a little bit. I love backstory. I'm just one of those people that are just a little crazy. And so when I discovered the Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit, I was fell in love with the elves, and then I was so delighted to find out that there was a whole legendarium about how all of these things that the elves were born and, you know, awoke in Middle-earth, went to Valinor. Many of the Noldor, including Galadriel, came back to fight Morgoth, and we have all of the tales of Middle-earth, and they're all wound around the Silmarils which were created by Fionor. So I'm going to read a little bit here from uh, Morgoth's Ring from the section The Annals of Amman. And it says here, For 1,000 years of the trees, the Valar dwelt in the bliss of Valinar beyond the mountains of Amman, and all Middle-earth lay in a twilight under the stars. Thither the Valar seldom came, save only Yavanna and Orome. And Yavanna often would walk there in the shadows, grieving, because all the growth and promise of the spring of Arda was checked. And she sat asleep upon many fair things that had arisen arisen in the spring, both tree and herb and beast and bird, so that they should not age, but should wait for a time of awakening that yet should be. But Melkor dwelt in Atumno, and he slept not but watched and labored, and the evil things that he had perverted walked abroad, and the dark and slumbering woods were haunted by monsters and shapes of dread, and in Abtumno he wrought the race of demons, whom the elves after named the Belrogs. But these came not yet from the gates of Atumno because of the watchfulness of Orome. Now Orome dearly loved all the works of Yavanna, and he was ever ready to do her bidding. And for this reason, and because he desired at whiles to ride in forests greater and wider than the fifth friths of Valinor, he would often come also to Middle-earth, and there go a-hunting under the stars. 
Then his white horse, Nahar, shone like silver in the shadows, and the sleeping earth trembled at the beat of his golden hooves. And Orome would blow his mighty horn, whereat the mountains shook, and things of evil fled away. But Melkor quailed in Atumno, and dared not venture forth, for it is said that even as his malice grew, and the strength of his hatred, so the heart of Melkor failed, and many of his knowledge and his might and his many servants, he be and with all his knowledge and his might and his many servants, he became craven, giving battle only to those of little strength, tormenting the weak and trusting ever to his slaves and creatures to do his evil work. A little side from that reminds us of someone that we met in the story of the Lord of the Rings, his servant Sauron. Back to the reading, yet ever his dominion spread southward over Middle-earth, for even as Orome passed, the servants of Melkor would gather again, and the earth was full of shadow and deceit. And it says here, it came to pass that the Valar held counsel, for they became troubled by the tidings that Yavanna and Orome brought from the outer lands. And Yavanna spoke before the Valar and foretold that the coming of the children of Iluvatar was drawing nigh albeit the hour and the place of that coming was known only to Iluvatar. And Yavanna besought Manway to give light to Middle-earth, for the stay of the evils of Melkor and the comfort of the children. And Orome and Tolkas spoke likewise, being eager for war with Atumno. But Mando spoke and said that though the coming was prepared, it should not yet be for many years, and the elder children should come forth in the darkness, and look first upon the stars, for so it was ordained. Then Varda went forth from the council, and she looked out from the height of Teniquitel, and beneath, and beheld the darkness of the earth beneath the innumerable stars, faint and far. Then she began a great labor, the greatest of all the works of all the Valar since their coming into Arda. Now Varda took the light that issued from Telperion and was stored in Valinor, and she made stars newer and brighter, and many other of the ancient stars she gathered together and set as signs in the heavens of Arda. The greatest of these was Manilmakar, the swordsman of the sky. This, it was said, was a sign of Turin Turambar, who should come into the world, and a foreshadowing of the last battle that shall be at the end of days." Last of all, Varda made the sign of bright stars that is called the Valakirka, sickle of the gods, and this she hung about the north as a threat unto Atumno and a token of the doom of Melkor. In that hour, it is said, the Quindi, the elder children of Iluvatar, awoke. These men have named the elves and many other names. By the waters of awakening, Quivienen, they rose from the sleep of Iluvatar, and their eyes first beheld of all things the stars of heaven. They, therefore they have ever loved the starlight, and have revered Varda, Elantarie, above all the Valar. That from Morgoth's Ring, the later Silmarillion Part 1, from the History of Middle-Earth, edited by Christopher Tolkien, of course, brought to us from J.R.R. Tolkien, that was History ten, um, Volume 10. So let's have a little music. I thought I would share something for, uh, from the, um, again, from the Rarities Archive. And this is 
an alternate version of Frodo's song. And this CD is only available through, if you purchase the book, The Music of the Lord of the Rings Movies by Doug Adams. And here's the Academy Award-winning mu music of Howard Shore. This is KUCI in Irvine. Gwen Elf, I'm still waiting to hear from you. song and that from the Rarities Archive CD which is included with the book The Music of the Lord of the Rings Movies by Doug Adams an absolutely enchanting and beautiful book all about the music of uh, the Lord of the Rings movies and that he collaborated with for many years working with Howard Shore and my understanding is that um, because we interviewed Doug on the show, and he said that they are indeed working on something as well for the Hobbit movies. And I'm so excited, because um, just from that little teaser trailer that was two minutes long that we got in December, I'm already very excited about the music that Howard Shore is working on for the Hobbit movies. So I am very excited. I feel like I have a birthday present today, uh, both for me and for Vanna, for our friends on Torque, and for our listeners here at KUCI in Irvine. This this is What Would Arwen Do? I'm Tawny Tanuvio, the resident KUCI Middle Earth Elf. But I have one of my delightful friends from my favorite message board for finding, uh, connecting with other uh, J.R.R. Tolkien enthusiasts, theonering.com. And Gwen Elf has called in to share one of her passages. We are uh, today's show, both the first show, and this is... Hour two of the show, we're celebrating upcoming March 25th, Tolkien Reading Day. And Gwenelf, are you there? I am. Hello. Hello. Thank you so much. And you're calling all the way from? Michigan. That, I bet it's... Exotic is. Ann Arbor, Michigan. <laughs> I've been to Michigan several times. I thought it was a lovely place, although it is a bit chilly. It's very nice, uh... Right now, actually, we've had a mild winter mm. like everyone else, uh, so no one's getting any work done. We're all <laughs> out frolicking in the weather, which is wonderful. Yeah, so it's not snowing where you are right now? No, it's not, thank goodness. Oh, that's lovely. So have you always been there in Michigan? Have you lived any other places? I have, actually. I've lived in Michigan my whole life, which is sort of sad. No, um, no. I... I did my undergrad here. Now I'm doing my graduate school here. Um, I sort of bounce off the sides of the state's walls, but I can't actually get out. 
<laughs> well, I, I have a little bit of the same type of thing. I've lived here. I was born in, in Long Beach here in Southern California, and I've managed to kind of uh, move back and forth um, a little bit between counties a little bit right. <laughs> but uh, and exactly. up the coast, but I can't. Uh, and I've ventured out of California a couple of times, but I always seem to make it back to me, uh, and especially now, um, I feel like I live in the phallus. Why would I move somewhere else? Right. So, um, they would look Yes. So, uh, tell, can, do you mind sharing just a little bit about how you discovered Tolkien and, and how you happened to fall in love with the, this? I mean, did you find out him when you were young? I never even was introduced to any of this until uh, I discovered the written works of Tolkien through the movies just about yeah, 10 years so ago. Yeah, so did I. Really? Through the yeah, movies? Yeah, I'm, I'm ashamed to say I, I came <laughs> to the movies before the books. Um, I read The Fellowship before seeing the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's. I remember um, my my friend who's also on tour, Owen Elf, mm-hmm. talking about how wonderful it is. It was just this, this amazing movie. And I, I, I want to read the book. I want to finish the book first before I go to see the movie. And I remember her talking about this character, Arwen, who was so cool, this, you know, tough female elf princess. And, and I said, Arwen, there's no Arwen in the book. What are you talking about? And then I went back and looked, and I'm, oh, yes, she is in there, but not very much. Yes. And then I thought, maybe I should reread this. I obviously didn't do a very good job the first time. Yeah, it's, it's a very small, but it's very interesting because her story is woven all throughout. Yeah. You know, the Lord of the Rings and the Hobbits. I mean, she right. was around for a couple of thousand years yeah. before these events were taking place. She's been around. Which people don't, don't realize that. They might think, right. you know, well, what's Arwen doing in all of this stuff? Well, she was there. She just didn't happen to be part of the telling exactly. of the Hobbits, you know, in that particular tale. So, right. um, as your your um, username Gwen Elf, so you yes. um, apparently you know um, kind of feel in a, a deep association with the elves. Is that right? Uh, yes, more so. I think when I uh, when I joined, I was sixteen at the time, and I was I did not have very high self esteem, <laughs> um, and physically, I was about as far from an elf as you could get. I'm 5'2 and uh, was pretty overweight, and I think I just wanted to be an elf more than I actually, uh, you know, resembled one in in personality or in, you know, physical appearance. I think, you know, to be honest with myself, I am more of a hobbit, (laughs) although now I have sort of shrunk to elf size at least. Yeah. But (laughs) but I'm still short. I think it kind of is, you know, about having the heart of an elf, you know. I know there are a lot of people, and I think sometimes we get so, you know, carried away with outward appearances. Mm -hmm. But, you know, anyone who loves the arts and music and enjoys dancing and walking under the stars and hears the call of the sea and loves the sound of water falling over rock and who enjoys good food and merriment and the company of her peers, Mm -hmm. it's like, you know, that's that's pretty elvish. All of which applies. Yes. So... um, can I ask, as far as um, a favorite with regards to the books, do you, are, do you especially like The Hobbit, or are you more like The Lord of the Rings, or 
The Silmarillion. That is very hard to say. I'm rereading The Hobbit right now mm-hmm. um, and, so, you know, rediscovering my love for that. I, I just, I love the narrator's voice, especially. It comes through so strongly, and you can tell the narrator is just having such a great time telling this story and sort of providing his own comments on the, the adventures as they right. happen. Uh, so his, his introduction to Hobbits at the very beginning and to the Bagginses, they never did anything out of the ordinary, <laughs> never had any adventures. Yes. You knew what a Baggins was going to say before you even asked him the question. Um, yes, yes. So, um, you know, it's funny because I read The Hobbit a very long time ago. I picked it up again recently because I was going to that. I thought, this time I'm going to read this before The Hobbit movies comes out. And now exactly. I've, but I've done the exact same thing that I did with the Lord of the Rings movies. I, I went to see Fellowship of the Ring, fell in love with Middle Earth, Arwen especially. I was like, oh, who is yeah. this creature on the screen? And went out and got, you know... To find these things, I'm like, how did I not know about this stuff my whole life? It's just crazy. And um, and I started reading, and I realized that, um, well, I read The Fellowship of the Ring, and then I was starting to read The Two Towers, and I just, I loved the movie so much. I just, and I knew that there were differences, and I knew that there were going to be, you know, not nearly all of the things in the movies that there were in the books. So yeah. I, I decided that I would not read them until after I saw the movies. So okay. I didn't, yep. and actually I've kind of piecemealed through them. So when I read The Lord of the Rings, I know this will sound very strange, I feel like I'm actually, that the, the Some of the story in the movies is the story, and then the rest of it is kind of the rest of the story. Mm. And so um, I picked up recently The Hobbit to read it, and had something to do with, oh, um, Luke Evans, there was an article about him, and I went, oh, yeah, he's going to be Bard the Bowman. I was like, what was the thing about Bard? And I read the passage, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is so wonderful. But I thought, you know what, I'm... I want to be surprised by this story. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna read any of the details because I want to wait and see what comes out in the movie, and then I'll go back and go. Oh, wonder that isn't exactly the way it happened, right. but it was still good. <laughs> but you can fill in. From Absolutely. There. So yeah, that uh, may, maybe the safer way to go about it. I I decided I was going to reread The Hobbit several times this year before the movie came out. It's so, so I was delightful. All prepped, yeah, ready to go. It's so delightful. So where is the favorite passage that you're going to read today? Which which work is that from? Uh, I'm going to read from the Fellowship of the Ring, the chapter Many Meetings. Mm. Oh, one of my favorite chapters. I'm so excited. In Rivendell, yes. Okay, and uh, just in case you are just tuning in, this is KUCI in Irvine, 88.9 FM. This is What Would Arwen Do? I am Tani Tenuviel, the resident KUCI Middle Earth Elf, my very special call-in guest today calling all the way from the faraway land of Michigan is Gwen Elf. Did you want to give your other name, or are you content to be known as Gwen Elf? Gwen Elf is fine, or Phil. uh, Okay. Or... or? My real name is Kate. Um. Kate, okay. <laughs> so, um, and Gwen Elf is going to read from many meetings the works of J.R. Tolkien. So the stage is yours, my friend. All right. Frodo hid the ring away, and the shadow passed, leaving hardly a shred of memory. The light and music of Rivendell were about him again. Bilbo smiled and laughed happily. Every item of news from the Shire that Frodo could tell, aided and corrected now and then by Sam was of the greatest interest to him, from the felling of the least tree to the pranks of the smallest child in Hobbiton. 
They were so deep in the doings of the four farthings that they did not notice the arrival of a man clad in dark green cloth. For many minutes, he stood looking down at them with a smile. Suddenly, Bilbo looked up. Ah, there you are at last, Dunedin, he cried. Strider, said Frodo. You seem to have a lot of names. Well, Strider is one that I haven't heard before, anyway, said Bilbo. What do you call him that for? They call me that in Bree, said Strider, laughing. And that is how I was introduced to him. And why do you call him Dunedin, asked Frodo. The Dunedin, said Bilbo. He is often called that here. But I thought you knew enough Elvish, at least to know Dun Adan, man of the West, Numenorian. But this is not the time for lessons, he turned to Strider. Where have you been, my friend? Why weren't you at the feast? The Lady Arwen was there. Strider looked down at Bilbo gravely. I know, he said, but often I must put Mirth aside. Eladan and Elro here have returned out of the wild unlooked for, and they have tidings which I wished to hear at once. Well, my dear fellow, said Bilbo, now you've heard the news. Can't you spare me a moment? I want your help in something urgent. Elrond says this song of mine is to be finished before the end of the evening, and I am stuck. Let's go off into a corner and polish it up. Strider smiled. Come then, he said. Let me hear it. Thank you so much. You're welcome. But can you stay? Can you stay on? Stay on with us for a little while, or certainly. Okay, wonderful. Um, you know what I want to do? I in my little CD collection here, the J.R.R. Tolkien audio collection. Um, I actually found a little teeny clip of J.R.R. Tolkien reading from the chapter Many Meetings. Okay. And I believe this is the clip that has him speaking some Elvish, which I love. Oh, great. Yes. So here is the professor from reading from The Fellowship of the Ring, Many Meetings. They got up and withdrew quietly into the shadows and made for the door. Sam, they left behind, fast asleep still with a smile on his face. In spite of his delight in Bilbo's company, Frodo felt a tug of regret as they passed out of the Hall of Fire. And even as they stepped over the threshold, a single, clear, elvish voice rose in song. Ar elbereth gilthoniel, silevrin penamiriel, o menel aglar elena. Nachairet palandiriel agalat remmen enorath, anduilos lelinavon nevaia si nevairon. Isn't that beautiful? Wow, that was great. I love to hear the professor uh, speaking Elvish. And yeah. um, it's, um, in, in fact, for years now I've been saying that I wanted to learn Elvish and I wanted to... Yeah, and I've actually been practicing my letters, so I'm 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 doing very I'm doing very well. I can spell several names, and I'm Excellent. I'm learning them. And it's it's such a beautiful beautiful language, not only spoken but um, you know written. It's beautiful, written, yeah. beautiful to see. I, I got as far as transcribing. I could write English words in Tanguar, and I never got to the actual language. Um, but in high school, people would ask me to write their names for them yes. in Elvish. See, I love well, you're, you're getting your name in English written in an Elvish script, but, you know, classless. Yes. I don't know that I could do the other either, but um, I think, it, I mean, names are, are whether, whichever way they're written, they, they turn out so beautifully. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, um, let's hear, um, you know, because we've got this wonderful... Um, you know, transition thing going on where we have the uh, Lord of the Rings movies, which, you know, we've all loved and enjoyed. And then, of course, we have the Hobbit uh, movies coming out. And, you know, there's all kinds of, you know, different opinions about um, staying true to what 
and oh, Tolkien yeah. did with The Hobbit. But um, I, I wish I would have brought my book of letters here because there is actually a place where he kind of says that he wished that he hadn't made the you know written the hobbit particularly for children it would be interesting if if jr tolkien were alive today if he would have like you know done something to to bring them together i know there were some edited versions but uh but i just think it's wonderful that peter jackson is weaving the stories together and it's going to be just a beautiful cinematic experience yeah um there's another there's another reading by the professor um, from Chapter f- uh, 4, A Journey in the Dark, which is the Song of Durin. And you know what, Gwen Elftier, I'm going to ask you, you might be a little close to the um, phone. So just because I'm getting a little staticky. Okay, there, okay. that's much better. Wonderful. Yeah, I'm, you're breaking up or I'm breaking up. Someone's breaking up. <laughs> There, that's much better. So uh, let's hear, and I'm thinking, because this, you know, um, and I get people and things mixed up a little bit, but Durin, is, I know he's related to Gimli, but I'm trying to remember if it was his, um, if it was a direct line. Um, oh, goodness. Yeah, I thought, you know, I, I'm... I, I bet the internet knows. I know the internet knows, and I can probably just look in the book if I had some of those books. I just, um, with the the dwarves, I you know, I mean, I love the dwarves, but I'm just not a dwarf person, so I don't yeah. really uh, keep a, a track uh, so much. <laughs> but I do know that it's definitely, um, when they go into the mines of Moria, of course, they, you know, right. they have, there's uh, Durin's uh, tomb is there. So let's hear the J.R.R. Tolkien with the Song of Durin, from A Journey in the Dark, The Fellowship of the Ring. This is QCI in Irvine. Let me oh, let me make sure I get there. Here we go. The world was young, the mountains green, no stain yet on the moon was seen. No words were laid on stream or stone when Durin woke and walked alone. He named the nameless hills and devils. He drank from yet untasted wells. He stooped and looked in Miromir and saw a crowd of stars appear as gems of a silver thread above the shadow of his head. The world was fair, the mountains tall, in elder days before the fall of mighty kings in Nagathrond and Gondolin, who now beyond the western seas have passed away. The world was fair in Durin's day. A king he was on carven throne in many pillared halls of stone with golden roof and silver floor and runes of power upon the door. Light of sun and star and moon in shining lamps of crystal hue, undimmed by cloud or shade of night, there shone forever fair and bright. Their hammer on the anvil smote, their chisel clove and graver wrote, their forge was blade and bound with hilt, their delver mine the mason built, their burial pearl and opal pale and metal wrought like fish's mail, buckler and corslet, axe and sword, and shining spears were laid in hall. Unwearied then were Durin's folk, beneath the mountains music woke, and harpers harped and minstrels sang, and at the gates the trumpets rang. The world is grey, the mountains old, the forge's fire is ashen cold, no harp is rung, no hammer falls, the darkness dwells in Durin's halls. The shadow lies upon his tomb in Moria in Khazad doom, but still the sunken stars appear and darken windless mirror mirror. There lies his crowd in water deep till Durin wakes again from sleep. 
Dear, we have a little bit of okay they're good that's good I had a little bit of static going on <laughs> I um do you have a hobbit the hobbit book with you there I have it on my kindle ah well you know what I thought I would read a little something from it's actually in the um first part of the Silmarillion but it's from a letter that J.R.R. Tolkien uh wrote about uh his desire to make a legend a legendarium for England um, but I also love um, because it has my very favorite um, quote, one of my very favorite quotes by him. And um, just because I think people think, oh, you know, what of what of this, you know, movies and books and plays. And uh, but I think that uh, J.R. Tolkien would have just loved it. And so I'm going to read a little bit from this letter that he wrote in 19. 19- 1951 to Milton Waldman, uh, where he said, you asked for a brief sketch of my stuff that is connected with my imaginary world, and, um, but that gives us just a little insight into, you know, where all this stuff came from, and perhaps while I'm doing that, you might find a little passage from The Hobbit to read for us, if you would, um, because... This Tolkien Day, this Tolkien Reading Day, we are celebrating 75 years since the publication of The Hobbit. Can you believe 75 years? I'd say I feel old, but no. (laughs) That's incredible, though. Yes. So this is is from a letter from uh, J.R. Tolkien to um, Milton Waldman in 1951. He says... Do not laugh, but once upon a time, my crest has long since fallen, I had a mind to make a body of more or less connected legend, ranging from the large and cosmogonic to the level of romantic fairy story. The larger founded on the lesser in contact with the earth, the lesser drawing splendor from the vast backcloths, which I would dedicate simply to, to England, to my country. It should possess the tone and quality that I desired, somewhat cool and clear, be redolent of our air, the climb and toil of the northwest, meaning Britain and hither parts of Europe, not Italy or the Aegean, still less the (laughs) east, (laughs) and possessing, if I could achieve it, the fair elusive beauty that some call Celtic, though it is rarely found in genuine ancient Celtic things. 
It should be high, purged of the gross, and fit for the more adult mind of a land now steeped in poetry. I would draw some of the tales in fullness, and leave many only placed in the scheme and sketched. The cycle should be linked to a majestic whole, and yet leave scope for other minds and hands wielding paint and music and drama. And so there I feel like, there right there, Tolkien said it himself, that he meant intentionally to leave scope for other minds and hands wielding paint and music and drama. And role play. Yes. You like that? There is a license to role play and write fan fiction respectfully. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think you would get a big kick out of it. So, um... In case you are just tuning in, this is KUCI in Irvine. I am Tani Tenuviel, the resident KUCI Middle Earth Elf, my very special guest today calling all the way from Michigan through the wonders of technology, is Gwen Elf, one of my fellow Tolkien uh, passionistas, (laughs) and uh, someone I know through one of the most amazing message boards here on the planet, TheOneRing.com. If you are someone who loves the worlds of Middle Earth and the works of G.R. Tolkien and you have not been able to find someone locally to discuss these things with, then you might want to visit the message board at TheOneRing.com. You'll find... uh, forums. Uh, Gwyneth, tell, t- tell our listeners what are some of the wonderful things. Role Play Forum is one of the most amazing things, collaborative stories where people create characters and stories about Middle Earth and get to have adventures. Yes. <laughs> I, I've, I've been in the Role Play Forum for many years now, and I mean, some, I've, I am fortunate to have been in a couple that have actually finished. Uh, I know a lot of stories get started, and then people's lives lead them in different directions, real life takes over, uh, and sometimes you never find out, you know, how the story is going to end, but I've, I've been in one at least that got all the way through, which is just an amazing achievement, uh, and, and really, you know, pulls you together with all the other writers. Uh, which we're which doing story another is that? one now? Uh, hopefully, we'll we will make it all of the way to Gondor. We'll see. Which was the uh, story that actually completed? Because these are posted <gasps> on the website, right? If people want to go in and read the story, there. I think it's still there. Um, I'm trying to remember what it was called. I actually started it, so I feel like you know, <laughs> there's an accomplishment. I started a role play that made it all the way to the end, but I don't remember what it was called. <laughs> Well, I'm sure if someone is, is is curious enough, they can they can look around there. I I'm got, in the wrong forum. No wonder. Oh. <laughs> I'm in alliances. <laughs> but role play writing stories is such an amazing thing. One of these days, I'm going to do a show just on that. I'll have to have you call back in. Oh, that'd be yeah, that'd be because I think uh, I know people are um, are most people are aware of role play games, which mm-hmm. you know you go in and you you know the rules are set, the place is set, but you know and you have characters and you can get powers and you can get such things. Role-play stories are completely different, but it's such a wonderful thing because it is collaborative writing and you have full, you know, control over your character and and, um, how your character uh, uh, is involved in the story, but you're working with other writers, so you're discovering and creating these adventures and these stories as you go along. And... 
it is such i i have read some of the most amazing stories one of the things that i was so enamored of role play writing stories is that after i had read you know the hobbit and middle um the lord of the rings and you know you get some things with the silmarillion uh, but not really much with to do with characters and even the history right. of middle earth and i wanted more and here were these really amazing writers creating more stories within the context of middle earth yeah, there's, there's some amazing talent on the boards. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the things that you read, wow, that that person should be writing novels. Um, <laughs> you never you never have writer's block, which is great because there's so many people putting the story together and taking it in directions that you never thought it would go. Yes, um, and and doing things and interacting with your characters in ways that you did not see coming. That. Yeah, you're always right. You said always learning new things about the world and about your character. That well, now I have to account for this situation that right. I, I never would have written myself. Right. How is my character going to react to that? And I actually think that it's an amazing training ground for people oh, yeah. who want to write because yeah. not only are you you know you have certain time constraints because you've got to move your character along within the context of the story, and then you're writing with these other writers and you're just kind of amazed at how well they write but you learn little things you know from writing with them and it's just such an it's just an amazing thing i never knew such a thing even existed just um my life was enriched on so many levels from getting involved with uh, the you know, Tolkien Online, the one ring dot com. Uh, one of the things was before that I knew how to type, but I didn't type very well. Once I started getting involved and we would even have like in in real time parties sometimes. Yeah. You know, you have Middle Earth parties going on. We I was the WCAs. Part of the yes. It's where I learned to type really well. You which are you white council you're typing you can't keep up with what's going on but it's it incredible. really it really builds your typing speed yeah <laughs> i you know my typing uh um accuracy and speed at least quadrupled as a result of being involved with the message board. I, I know that sounds really funny, but it, it was just one of those little side benefits. It's so true, yeah. So what um, have you come up with a passage from The Hobbit that you'd like to share with us? I think I'm actually just going to start at the beginning. Um, oh, I love that. It's, yeah, it's just so, the picture is we talks amazing. about hobbits and who hobbits are. Exactly, okay. yeah. Oh. So this is from J.R.R. Tolkien's book, The Hobbit, of which we are celebrating 75th, the 75th anniversary this year of the publication of The Hobbit. And this coming Sunday, Tolkien Reading Day, uh, we'll be celebrating The Hobbit as well. And here we are doing it as well. All right. So chapter one, an unexpected party. In a hole in the ground, there lived a hobbit. Not a nasty, dirty, wet hole filled with the ends of worms and an oozy smell nor yet a dry, bare, sandy hole with nothing in it to sit down on or to eat. It was a hobbit hole, and that means comfort. It had a perfectly round door, like a porthole, painted green, with a shiny yellow brass knob in the exact middle. The door opened onto a tube-shaped hall like a tunnel, a very comfortable tunnel, without smoke, with paneled walls and floors tiled and carpeted, provided with polished chairs and lots and lots of pegs for hats and coats. The hobbit was fond of visitors. The tunnel wound on and on, going fairly, but not quite straight, into the side of the hill. The hill, as all the people for many miles around called it. 
and many little round doors opened up out of it, first on one side and then on the other. Still going upstairs for the hobbit. Bedrooms, bathrooms, cellars, pantries, lots of these. Wardrobes, he had a whole room devoted to clothes. Kitchens, dining rooms, all were on the same floor, and indeed, on the same passage. The best rooms were all on the left-hand side, going in, for these were the only ones to have windows, deep-set round windows looking over his garden and meadows beyond, flowing down to the river. This hobbit was a very well-to-do hobbit, and his name was Baggins. The Bagginses, Bagginses had lived in the neighborhood of Bee Hill for time out of mind, and people considered them very respectable, not only because most of them were rich, but also because they never had any adventures or did anything unexpected. You could tell what a Baggins would say on any question without the bother of asking him. This is a story of how a Baggins had an adventure and found himself doing and saying things altogether unexpected. He may have lost the neighbor's respect, but he gained, well, you will see whether he gained anything in the end. <laughs> oh, that oh. is so delightful. And I, I love his work. I love reading it. I love the way he wrote. I just, it's, thank you so much for sharing that. You're welcome. And I, I love the way Bilbo curses adventures throughout <laughs> the entire book. Just this pauses throughout for, you know, reflection on the nature of adventures. Yes. And how we're feeling about them at any given time. Adventures aren't so bad. Adventures are terrible. <laughs> well, um, I'm sure that you've seen the Hobbit trailer. Oh, yes. Yes. That, and the song, the, uh, the Misty Mountain song, mm-hmm. is amazing. I is. cannot wait for more Hobbit music. Well, and it's so cute, too, on that, uh, I don't know if I, can, if I can get it up here, that, you know, where I love the way Bilbo, you know, um, Gandalf is talking to him about sharing an, an, an adventure. In fact, I think I have a little clip of that. Um, and he says, you know, Something to the effect of, you know, I'm a baggin, you know, I'm a, I'm a baggins of baggend. Um, let's see here. Um, oh, let's play just this little excerpt from the trailer. Here we go. You have a tale or two to tell when you come back. Can you promise that I will come back? No. And if you do, you will not be the same. Yes, and, and then, if you do, you will not be the same. And then here is Gandalf approaching Bilbo. Here we go. Bilbo Baggins, I'm looking for someone to share in an adventure. I can't just go running off into the blue. I am a Baggins. Wait. Of Baggins. <laughs> Wait. Oh well, we are just about out of time here. Gwen Elf, thank you so very much for calling in. This has been so delightful. Oh, thank you for inviting me to call in. Oh, you're welcome. Well, you'll have to think about maybe next spring we uh, we should all converge on Vanna's place. She Let's is do a, it. She is a wonderful elven hostess, and um, when I got to spend some time with her in 2005 when the Tolkien Society had a, a little moot up there and we got to dance under starlight in her front yard and she's but she's moved to a new place now that looks I've seen some of the pictures yeah. beautiful 
And uh, wouldn't that be lovely? We could have our own Tolkien reading day and do elvish things and um, dance under starlight and um, just have a grand time. That sounds wonderful to me. Now, are you, will you still Let's be in school? It. Are you still in school? I'm a graduate student, yes. Okay. Will you still be a graduate student next March? I will, but I will be in my dissertation stage at that point. Fingers crossed, assuming yes. nothing disastrous happens in the next six weeks. <laughs> um, so I will actually have a little bit more free time to read Tolkien and make my Hobbit costume for the midnight showing and things like that. Yay. Now, and that's Tolkien Reading Day. Absolutely. What is your major? What, is you, what are you studying? Um, I'm studying classics, so Greek and Latin. Oh, wow. Oh. Which I, I actually got into because of Lord of the Rings, very indirectly. Wow. Um, so I, can, I have Tolkien to thank um, or blame, as the case may be, for, for my current area of study. Oh, my goodness. Well, as unelvish as it may seem, I am pea green with envy. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, my friend, so much. Ellen Salalumen Namentielvo, a star shines on the hour of our meeting. Hopefully that will not be too long off. But, you know, years, years, years pass quickly quickly. And um, again, thank you again so much for calling in today. Thank you. Namarie. Namarie. Um, that's Gwyn Elf. And uh, if you'd like to spend some time with us, you can visit us on the theonering.com. Uh, Tolkien message board, great fun place for all things Tolkien, music, poetry, art, chat um and with that coming up in just a few moments one of the most amazing sh music shows here on KUCI um Heather with Rachel Ray's Cooking Accident and to get you in the mood for that I'm going to play a little announcement and then we're going to have some no I'm going to play for some little Hobbit music and then the announcement and then Heather will be here this is some music to get you dancing from the Lord of the Rings, the Fellowship of the Ring, the complete recordings. And this is called uh, Flaming Red Hair. This did not make it into the original soundtrack, which I was very disappointed to find, but I was very delighted to find that it was in the uh, complete recordings where Hobbit dancing, which I'm sure we'll see a lot of, or hopefully see a lot of, in the Hobbit movies. I am Tani Tanuviel. If you'd like to email me, I'd love to hear from you. Askanelf at yahoo.com. And until next week, uh, I guess I will say to you, Namarie, and hopefully you'll be able to spend a little time uh, at least exploring some of the works of Middle-earth on Sunday uh, in celebration of Tolkien Reading Day. You can get more information on the Tolkien Society website, www.tolkiensociety.com. KUCI in Irvine. Thank you.